Hello, Bearcats fans. How are you guys doing today? 2020 surely has been a, let's just say, exciting year. Uh, not sure if, we weren't sure for the longest time if this season was going to happen, but it's finally here. Alex, what do you think? Oh, wait a minute. I forgot. I'm Sean McMahon. This is Alex Franks next to me. Welcome to our show that we have decided to finally come up a name with. It is called Inside the Loop, referring to the 275 loop. So we will be covering everything from high school sports to pro-level sports. But mainly UC Athletics. Mainly UC Athletics, yes. We will focus on UC Athletics. This is going to be a 60-minute show at max. Later in the year, we'll do 20 minutes of UC football, 20 minutes of UC basketball once that season starts up, and then 20 minutes of whatever else, Reds, Bengals, you know, whomever. We'll talk about that How about FC Cincinnati? F no, I'm sorry. I, I, no, we don't have any time for that. All right. um, that. If you want to do a show about them, maybe. But not me, not now, because I don't know a dang thing about them, and I don't care to. I like how you said that 2020's been an exciting year. To say the least. Has it been what excitement has there been? Oh, that's mostly sarcasm. I I, I figured, but uh, but anyway, uh, so the Bearcats, we are just four days away, less than seventy-two hours, less than seventy-two hours away till kickoff against Austin P this Saturday at Nippert Stadium. Now the stadium will be empty, which is a bummer, but you and I could be there calling that game. I think, could I think we will be? I think we will be. It's not confirmed yet, but we might be there. We'll see. Um. We're like 90% sure at this point. But it will be in front of a empty Nippert Stadium. Certainly not something you would hope for for this season, especially with all the players and talent that's not only coming back, but coming in with some of the freshmen with like Evan Prater and Justin Wadley and all these all these players that are coming in that have that have a lot of uh, great talent. And Luke Fickle recruited very well in the offseason. Just think about the number of four-star recruits that we have coming in this season. You mentioned Evan Prater, Yaheem Thomas out of Princeton. Uh, Marquez Bell is coming in. Uh -huh. You mentioned Justin Wadley. Uh, I mean, there, there's so He's many of them. From Coleraine. Uh, uh, Deshaun Pace. Deshaun Pace. We beat, we beat him new. in the playoffs. Elder beat him in the playoffs. Yeah, you had to throw that in there, didn't you? Yeah, you uh, know anyway. what? Yes, I did. Uh, anyway, so there's a lot of excitement with the recruiting class. It's ranked number 40 in the nation per 24-7 sports. It's the highest-rated recruiting class, Sean, amongst all group of five schools. Now you can say, what the heck does that, you know, what the heck does that really mean? Uh, it means a whole lot. Yep. Because the top of the group of five has been knocking on the door of, you know, I guess, how do I say this? They, the top of the group of five thinks that they're as good as the power five. And rightfully so. They've recruited very well. Headlined and epitomized by what the Bearcats have done with Luke Fickle. Yeah. There's a reason that Luke Fickle stayed here and turned down the Michigan State offer back in February. Gosh, that feels like a lifetime ago. It definitely does, yeah. I mean, I remember I was actually getting fitted for my brother's wedding, which was supposed to happen back in June. Um, and I got bumped back to November. But point being, I remember being in in the in the shop getting fitted and you know these headlines are coming out all these rumors there's pictures and it's like oh look this is luke fickle getting off the plane or it could be it wasn't fortunately luke fickle decided that he was smarter than that and not to go <laughs> to that program and he ended up staying in cincinnati and just recently got a contract extension six years 2026 what was it three point up six to three point four million six years, now? Three point four million dollars per year with a four million dollar buyout starting this year, but it decreases it uh, by five hundred thousand dollars each year. But another thing it does is it increases the 
the assistant salary pool, assistant coach's salary pool, I think to about, um, what is it? It's not $375,000 and everybody splits that. I feel like it's got to be more than that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I, I think that might actually be it because assistant coaches make uh, do pretty do make a pretty good amount of, of money. Um, but I do think that it is 375 split between the, what is it, like six of them? Seven of them, eight of them, maybe. I can't, anybody, I can't I, even remember. But look, I mean, it just it just speaks to. Um, and by the way, that that contract, the money that the money was all privately raised. That's a, that's another huge thing for students as well, because uh, you remember when students, or at least I knew students that voiced their opinion. They're like, "Oh, like why do we need to spend eighty-seven million dollars on uh, Fifth Third Arena? Like I really I don't want my tuition money going towards this. Like, okay, whatever. Like, relax." Like, yeah, could it maybe have gone towards something better? Don't but look at how nice Fifth Third Arena looks. Look at how nice Nippert Stadium looks. And don't think that doesn't get students to come here. Oh, yeah. And don't think... Recruiting. And by, and by the way, don't try and think that athletics aren't important to a university. Oh, oh they I are. They some they, money. Yes. George Mason, fun fact, their enrollment went up the year after they went to the Final Four in 2006. And yep. don't tell me athletics aren't, aren't important to a university. Yeah, I mean... Another thing is, like, UC is going to be renovating its football locker room. That will be happening. I actually saw pictures of that back in, uh, oh, gosh, whenever before COVID at some point. I can't remember exactly when it was, but Luke Fickle had some pictures set up in his in his office, and there's pictures that have been leaked around the Internet of the new locker room. I don't know if you saw that on Instagram, Bearcats I Prime, I think you know it was what? posted. Someone tells me I think I did. I think you did. I feel like if I pulled up a picture, it looks really nice. It, it's a good way to pull in recruits. Now, I did see that... John Cunningham is going to allow immediate family members of the players to attend the game on Saturday. Okay, I think that's smart. I think that's definitely smart. I th- and I think you can socially distance them. Oh, in Nippert Stadium? I would totally think you could do well, that. Well, I don't think you should even social... Di- I think you could social distance the individual families, but not the family members. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Okay, all right, yeah, okay, which yeah. I, I think, I mean, yeah, especially for the seniors who, you know, this is their last season and Albeit it's going to be not a normal season, but at the same time, it is a season. There is a 10-game schedule, and I'm telling you right now, it's an exciting schedule. Yeah. And the potential that's there for this team, you and I both know it, and I'm the the community of Clifton knows it. I think the city of Cincinnati knows it. Yeah. Excuse me. How special this team can be. Yeah, I mean, well, you look at the attendance records that, I mean— what was it? Second highest stadium occupancy in twenty nine. It was in was set in twenty nineteen with UCF coming yep. to town, and you know you look. I have a video of that of that night saved on my phone. When I think we were going into the fourth quarter is when they'll play shout over the speakers and everyone went crazy. And I mean, you look at the players on the sideline in the video and they're they're losing their minds. Like, and it was really unbelievable because even my my former boss who was there during the Brian Kelly era. When those attendance records were being set even higher than in you know previous years in 2006 and you know what have you, but he's like this you know reminds me of the Brian Kelly days. Like Nippert Stadium was filled to the brim. You could barely find a spot for you and your friend to go sit in. I mean the student section, highest number of students ever see a game in Nippert Stadium. Really really cool. Um, and I was certainly happy that that we got to be there and experience such an, an amazing crowd. And I, I think Cincinnati does recognize that Bearcats football is a huge deal. I would almost say that Bearcats football... Now, take this with a grain of salt. Bearcats football, I would almost even put above the hype 
for the Bengals, and here's why. You might have Joe Burrow, which Grant, I, I love Joe Burrow, and I know you know you love Joe Burrow. We always have, um, at least once he hit the spotlight, that is. Um, I mean, how could you not love the guy? Uh, pretty much after he beat Alabama and Tuscaloosa. I would even say after they beat Texas, actually. That's when I started liking LSU. That was the breakout game. You are right. That was their break. That was their... I was actually rooting for Texas in that game, believe it or not. I didn't get to watch it. Come on now. I was. I was rooting for Texas. Why would you root for Texas? I don't know, because I kind of wanted Texas to win the national championship. Because what? Okay, okay 2004. Let's go back. 2004? We'll, we'll, come, we'll come right back. We'll loop back around to where we were. 2004. I mean, the show's called In the Loop, so that's good. Well, okay. but 2004? Yes. And here's why. Because Texas beat Michigan in the Rose Bowl. 2005. I'm sorry. It was the 0405 season. Texas beat Michigan in the Rose Bowl, and uh, Vince Young, in an interview, said, we're back. And then the next year, they went back to the Rose Bowl game. They beat USC. Game of the century. Won the national championship game. And in 2000 and, uh, I'm sorry, it was this 2018-2019 season, Texas goes to the Sugar Bowl, defeats Georgia. The national championship was hosted there the very next year. So I kind of thought it'd be cool if it reflected that Vince Young, like, they, they, they win the, 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 the bowl game the previous year, and then they win the national championship I the next ra- year. I can love how you can get wrapped behind that little pattern. That I, I, I'm not sure how much that was talked about, but that, that, is some, that is unique to college football, and Vince Young, obviously, one of the all-time great college quarterbacks. Um, certainly had one of the all-time great championship game performances. Definitely. Um, if not the greatest in the greatest football game ever played. Now, how does this loop back to... So that's why you were rooting for Texas last year. Yes. Because then, we were talking about Joe Burrow and then LSU. Joe Burrow goes in and beats Texas. He had a, he had a and tremendous that's, game. That's tremendous. when I was convinced about LSU. I was like, okay, I can... I hate being a bandwagon, but I was like, this is a bandwagon I can get behind because it's LSU. They haven't beaten Alabama in like eight years or seven years or whatever it was. And they hadn't really been to a national championship game, championship game since 2011. They hadn't been to the SEC championship in quite some time. I think since the same year. I wanted to see LSU back in the spotlight. I wanted to see a team like LSU come back and be the top of college football. I didn't mind it, especially with you know characters like um, uh, who's it was Moss's kid, Thaddeus. Thaddeus, Thaddeus Moss, Moss, Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase, Justin Jefferson, Justin Jefferson, Patrick Queen, Grant Delpit, Pre- Edwards Hilaire. Or, I'm Clyde, sorry, Clyde, Clyde Edwards Hilaire. Yes, yes. There we go. And who doesn't? I mean, who Ed Orgeron. Yeah, go Tigers. Go Tigers. Uh, anyway, but if you're if you're telling me this this is how we'll loop back, kind of went like you know on the east and then south and west and finally back up to the north side near uh, Princeton, but where Yaheem Thomas is from. But anyway, if you're telling me that there's more hype surrounding Bearcats football than the Bengals, I think you're right. Because I think there's more hype about Joe Burrow as than far, Bengals yeah, yeah, football. Because, because let me tell you, when the Bengals were good in 2005 and 2006, that wasn't for one particular player. Mm-hmm. Yes, Chad Johnson was the entertainer on the team. No doubt. And he was a great player. Don't he get was me, hilarious, too. Don't get me wrong. Oh, His mic'd up sessions are hilarious. How are you gonna stop eighty-five? Uh, what what three things are certain in life? Death, taxes, and eighty-five will always be open. Yeah. Dude ate McDonald's like every day. That's another he thing. He ate McDonald's before a game. I I know that. Now he, he ate it I a mean, lot. Okay, so, but anyway, like the reason why there's more hype surrounding the Bearcats and the Bengals too is because the Bengals just like 
they've been really teasing you for so long, and the mm-hmm. equity between them and the fan base has dwindled significantly Definitely. over the years. The Bearcats, like, everything Luke Fickle has said, the media can do whatever it wants. At the end of the day, Luke Fickle has stayed true to what he has said. Definitely. He's like, well, I don't really know if there's a if there's a better or option than here. There's not. And he proved that when he turned down the Michigan State job. Yep. And he's like, well, what else has he done? You know, we're going to pride ourselves on being an offensive line, defensive line driven program. Okay. The biggest In the question- trenches, battles yeah. in the trenches. Sean, Sean, what was the biggest question mark? What position group had the biggest question mark going into the season last year? Oh, no doubt. The O-line. I was hoping you'd say the other side of the ball. The D-line? But, but, Oh, because oh, about, right, right. Because about, of Cortez brought. Think yeah, about okay. who they lost. Okay, guess what? I'll Their defensive line had Elijah Ponder, first team All Conference. Who's they? Had, they had five first team All Conference performers last uh, year. Brooks, uh, Curtis Brooks. Was he Malik Van? Was he? Curtis Brooks had. I mean, he was good. Marj Sanders, Perry Young, for sure was on that list. Perry Young, Perry. It, 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 was, it was Perry Young, Brian Wright, Elijah Ponder, Derek Forrest. Too bad James Wiggins wasn't. And there was one other player. It might have been MyJ Sanders. Could have been MyJ. I can I can check that. But what I'm uh, saying is Chase Brown. Yeah, maybe There's Marcus so, Brown. Yeah. Okay, so you pride yourselves on being a def- an offensive line, defensive line driven program. Okay, this is something that Marcus Freeman said in an off season interview. He said, you know, you, you when when James Wiggins went down, yeah. you know, we all freaked out about that. You know, how is UC going to respond defensively without their best player? Well, you don't respond by replacing one particular player. Freeman's like you you you, you replace him by inserting multiple schemes, packages, mm-hmm. you know, different players, etc. Okay, he, that's why he's such a brilliant defensive mind. That's why we value him so yeah, much. Yeah, what de- what what defensive coordinator on a, sh- on a short week? And this is something that the ESPN commentary crew for the UCF game was talking about. What defensive coordinator thinks? Hmm, we're gonna put in a three-three-five system the week before we play UCF. Guess what? It, it worked. worked. Jinx. It did. It worked. It yeah. Really and, and then not only that, we're like, well, we're going to play our best 22 players. They used 22 players in that game defensively. Mm-hmm. And guess what? The biggest play of the game was made by a freshman who wasn't on the starting depth chart in week one. Yes, sir. That, my friends, is depth and it's recruiting and it's coaching. Ahmad Gardner, who, by the way, is rated as one of the top 10 corners in the country. Oh, I don't doubt it. I mean, he was because of the numbers he was able to put up he, in such a short amount of time. He was the big play guy that James Wiggins was in 2018. I, and did I mention that Wiggins is back this year? Wiggins is back. Also, Javon Hicks was the one who came in and replaced him. That kid was a ball magnet. I mean, that kid... He ripped the ball out with one hand in the USF game. Remember, you were there. Oh, yeah. Did I, you know what? I do. I forgot about that. I was too busy shivering because it was cold as yeah. heck on top of that scoreboard. I uh, Yeah, I didn't wear enough layers. But anyway, back to, uh, back to not the only Not only was it Javon Hicks... Derek Forrest got an opportunity with Wiggins being out to really mm-hmm. flourish last year. What, he led the team in tackles? Game-saving interception against Temple. Yeah, he also had one against Tulsa. I don't know if you remember that. You know what? I. Oh, no, you're right. That's right. Because that set the stage for Dokes' third touchdown run. Mm-hmm. And Tulsa had the ball. They were down for the game. Sh- that game should, was too close. Should never have been as close as it was. But, no. again, UC's defensive line forced, what, three fumbles, and they had five turnovers that game. So, the job. defense last year, look... Was it as dominant as it was in 2018? No. No, that we, was a top 10 defense. We knew, yeah. Oh, absolutely. We knew it wasn't going to be that way. No, like it actually was at the end of the year. Statistically, they were a top 10 defense. And then I think you and I even discussed, like, okay, so you lose a lot of vital guys. You lost um, Cortez Broaden. 
you lost Marquise Copeland, you lost Kamani Fitz, you lost uh, Tyrell Gilbert, you lost Malik Clements. You lost some fantastic players. Forgot and guess who replaced them? More fantastic players. But we did drop in defensive efficiency. I think we we went from like top 10 to like top 40, which I think was where our predictions were at. I think we were like, okay, where are we going to be ranked in defense? And I think you and I both maybe said top 50, top 40. And we were right. We ended up being a top 40 defense, which is by no means bad. No. Especially when you play a UCF offense. And, and you and hold them to the to the numbers that you ended up holding them to. And Memphis is, as well. We played them twice. So, you know, that didn't... That's another thing, too. It's like, I remember after the Temple game... The ECU which, game was also not helpful, but keep going. In our defense, ECU did put up 51 points the following week at they SMU. They did. So, maybe that was a fluke. And I can, and I can, and I remember something. I'll, I'll just say this right now. I remember last year, and, and we can kind of expand on this later. Luke Fickle said in his weekly press conference leading up to that ECU game, which that was a nightmare to sit through. Mm-hmm. Luke Fickle said that because the Bearcats were six and one and three and zero in conference play, they were ranked number seventeen. He said that at that point they had earned the right to get every team's best shot. Mm-hmm. But the re- but but here's the thing, because obviously, look, you beat UCF. And you came into this to the season with as much hype and expectations as you did. Yeah, you're gonna, you're, yeah, you're gonna earn that right. And ECU took full advantage of it. They're playing at home. Holden Eilers was playing the game of his life through for what 500 yards that game. Okay. And what's interesting is you see they aren't built the way UCF is built. And I say that because UCF probably would have gone to ECU and beat him by 40. Certainly. But that's because UCF is more explosive. UC doesn't have that. They are a ground and pound, clock controlling, methodical. They're, I mean, they're not what UCF is, but the team that UC has can win. Yeah. They've won 11 games in back to back years for a reason. They've won it with defense and running the football. Mm-hmm. Desmond Ritter is not going to be the reason. Well, I, I guess I shouldn't say that. He's not going to be the biggest key reason. No, but he might be the most valuable reason why. I mean, look, Des, all Desmond Ritter has done is win, but you talk about. When we played Memphis last year, Sean, I remember thinking after the Temple game, because that was when Ritter was, what, 9 of 25 for 63 yards. I said to Zach, one of our, uh, Zach Freeze, another staff member, I said, we're going to lose 45 to 14. I mean, there's no way. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. I thought there was no way. And yet, the Bearcats were in the fourth quarter against that offense in a position to win, not once, but twice. Yeah. I, I mean... For what it's worth, we we were a very good team going up against Memphis. Memphis was just the better team. I mean, it, it was simple as that. They they were just the better team both times. They were the better team. Um, now you had yeah. two different quarterbacks as well. You had Ben Bryant playing the first game, and then you had um, Desmond Ritter playing the uh, the second game. But yeah, I, 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 the thing here's one thing I say about UCF: they are incredibly reliant on tempo. I feel like if you took away their ability to run tempo. Just somehow, just let's just say you don't run tempo on UCS offense. They are not as effective. They are. They would still be a great offense. Don't get me wrong, but they would not be the same offense. I don't think Gabriel Davis. Or I'm sorry, um, Dylan Gabriel. Dylan Gabriel. God, Gabriel Davis. Dylan Gabriel. Anyway, I don't think Dylan Gabriel would have quite as many passing yards as he did because the thing that UCF would do, it'd be first down, throw a little curl route. And then they'd go. They'd go. They would go. And then let's say they threw an incomplete pass. Okay. 
well, you know, then they would, you know, whatever, just set the ball back down. All right, let's do it again. And then they'll throw another, you know, curl route, throw another curl route, keep going, tempo, 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 first down, tempo, 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 go again, incomplete pass, next play, maybe not a curl route, maybe not a po little, you know, little crossing route. No, they'll, they'll throw it over your heads because, they, you know, they want you to think that they're going to throw another curl route and then someone will just have a go route down the sideline, which almost happened with Kobe Bryant, I believe it was uh, Gabriel Davis, almost had a touchdown. Just Dylan Gabriel overthrew him by about four or five yards. That was I the thing that. about UCF's offense, was that they, that's, they just rely so heavily on their tempo game. And it works. It, give it, i got to give them credit. It works. But I think if you took that away from them, I don't think they'd be the same offense. But do you have to take it away? But do you have to take that away from them in order to beat them? We saw last year that you don't. No, you what don't. you have to do is you have to okay. So what UC did was they went only three up front, so they could have more guys. You know, you can backload your set. You can backload your defense with mm -hmm. guys that, in the secondary, and you can rotate guys in and out. They spend more time on UCF in the in fall camp mm -hmm. because we saw what happened two years ago for as close as uc might have played them in the first half let's be real uc couldn't take advantage of any drives that they had no. and if you give ucf an inch they're gonna take it a mile that's how good ucf is yep um but i remember by the way justin harris had a great pass breakup in that game i think he'll actually be a, a an underrated under talked about player i i feel like no one's hyping him up I feel like he could be a, a dark horse on the defense, maybe. Well, I don't know. Well, I, I well, haven't seen him play enough, but I feel like maybe he could be, because he's number four, Justin Harris, quarterback. He's six foot, 188 pounds. He's a sophomore from Huber Heights. It's a good cornerback. Um, I feel like he'll. I feel like he could actually be pretty good. As we look at the depth chart here, we talk about Justin Harris and the depth that this defense has, thanks to recruiting. So we look at the cornerbacks. Obviously, Ahmad Gardner is slated to start at one spot. Kobe Bryant, the other, the other two, um, or rather, I'm sorry, three secondary spots. You got James Wiggins, Derek Forrest at the safety spots, and then Arquan Bush at the nickel corner. Mm -hmm. um, Justin Harris will back up Kobe Bryant. I, I imagine you might see him on Saturday, given the fact that we're playing Austin P. And no disrespect to them, but this game, I think, will be should be, yeah. I'm still going to have to get used to James Wiggins being number one and not yeah. 32, which is yeah. another thing, too. There are some, obviously, uniform changes, Sean. I know you uniform wanted to mention Uniform number changes. That. Yeah, we'll go over those really quickly. So, Charles McCollin, right off the bat, I mean, you look at the roster. He's at the top of the spot because uh, he moved from number 10 to number zero, which is a little strange, but I don't actually hate it. I mean, because all you do is just take not the one away. It's strange when you look at the, he, that he's the third running back on the depth chart, which is a shame because... I think that might be because he didn't play last year. Oh, right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, well, well. also because, I mean, we'll go over the positions later, but you look at who's ahead of him. Jared Dokes and Jerome Ford, and we'll get to them. But yeah. number changes, uh, James Wiggins is number one. Wilson Huber went from 87, I believe. To two. To two, and he is now a linebacker rather than a tight end. Which, I only remember him catching one ball, and that was against UCLA the first time we played them. And that was the only time I remember him playing... Remember the one that he dropped uh, against DCU last year? Actually, you know what? I don't, because that game was so cold, and it was just a blowout, and I just wanted to go to Thanksgiving. <laughs> uh, that, was, that was this year. 
Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't, oh, okay. In 2019, they, they, they ran like a tight end flat route to the left side of the end zone, and it was thrown right to Huber, and he dropped it. Yeah, I did not. I didn't watch most of that game because I was actually at my grandmother's That's 90th birthday. probably a good thing. Yeah, it was, say, it was, I was stressed not watching it, and I got home. I got back here, actually, and I'm like trying to do – I'm trying to get organized, get ready for bed kind of, and – I'm watching the game on my laptop, and I see, you know, Sam Croza hit the game-winning field goal, and it was whew, sigh of relief. But anyway, Luke Fickle exhaled after that game. Oh, we all did. Let's be honest. Jayshon Jackson last year changed his number from 21 to two, so that's not really different. Evan Prater is now number three on the offense, uh, which previously I don't think was anybody. Actually, I don't think anyone on was the anybody. offense. I don't think it was. I don't think it was either. Oh well, is. Michael Warren, right? Oh, how could we forget that? Yeah, Michael Warren. Was Sorry. Great. Excuse yeah. me. Anyway, um, let's see. Trey Tucker. Trey Tucker. Oh, yeah, where'd he go? 21 He's to 7. 21 to 7 here. Um, Gerald White's still the same. Mark Gerald White's number nine. 8. Let's go all the way down to number 83. Formerly number 1, the Christian Blue Smith. Yep. The Wayne High School product and former Ohio State uh, commit transferred here. Uh, he will wear number 83 this year. Oh, wait a minute. Uh, Wilson Huber was number 82. Bruno LaBelle is 87. I, I yes, was wrong. Yes, LaBelle is 87. Um, yeah, and then so there's some other notable... Wasn't there another notable change? There was someone else. By the way, Bruno LaBelle is uh, the starter at tight end, according to the depth chart. Really? Huh. Okay, well, then who you got? You got Josh Wiley. You got... Josh Wiley, Bruno LaBelle, uh, Leonard Taylor. Lenny Taylor. Who kind of came on a little bit at the end of last season, mm-hmm. had a touchdown against Memphis. He was a four-star recruit. He was. Jakari Robinson's still fifty-two. Yeah, there's lots of there's lots of new names in here that I don't even recognize. There's also I mean, there's also little number changes like from fifty-two to fifty-four, but like yeah. the no, the ones that we want you to know, they are, um, you know, kid from Wiggins, McClellan, Smith, Tucker, guys who are. Uh, I did more see, notable. Oh, um. Cole, Cole Smith went from 19 to 17. I wouldn't were that's oh he's 17 now. Yeah, really? that, that's okay. um, there he is. Yeah, you're right. Which that'll be um, Josiah Roby. He's Rob- been here. Yeah, apparently I've <laughs> I've never I've never heard his name. Uh, yeah, but anyway, so those are the number changes. Um, new coaches. Uh, some people have been moved around. There's some new coaches. So back in the spring, Dan Enos took over as the running backs coach after, um, oh gosh, Dougie Phil, Doug Phillips, as yeah. we lovingly called him. Dougie Phil left for to coach Youngstown State, where Thomas Geddes actually grad transferred to. So he followed Doug Phillips. Um, Brian Mason, or I'm sorry, um, Perry Eliano is now the cornerbacks coach, replacing um, uh, oh Mike Mickens. Mike Mickens. Who We're, is now at Notre Dame, I that's, believe. That's so strange. That is so strange that, ugh. And then... Because he, I mean, he's a UC product. He went here. I honestly, he for, I honestly completely forgot in the offseason that he even left. And we have two other ones. Uh, Colin Hitchler, who was like a safeties GA, or he wasn't even the safeties GA. That was Pat Lambert. But Colin Hitchler was already on the team. So now he's the coach of the safeties, and Greg Scruggs is now taking over for defense. And Greg line. Scruggs, obviously a local product, having local played product. at St. X, won a Super Bowl with Seattle in 2013. I need to see his ring. Hitchler, um, you're obsessed with those Super Bowl rings. Hitchler, oh, look, rings are cool. Okay. They are. Hitchler um, is taking over for John Tenuta, 
who is now going to be a senior defensive analyst. Mm-hmm. Which is weird. I didn't. I really didn't even know that. That news came out uh, last month. So, coaching staff. But the other. But what we talked about earlier, Sean, is the fact that you have is Luke Fickle still here. Mike Denbrock is still here. Mm-hmm. Marcus Freeman is still here. Mm-hmm. And those are all guys in their fourth year. Mike Denbrock said something really interesting in the offseason when he was asked, you know, what advantage does, um, you know, having had the core coaches here for as long as they have been here. And he said it puts you on second base and it allows you to not have to implement so many little things and just mm-hmm. focus on how you can make your team better. Yep. And, and that's something that. I was reading earlier today, going back and reading the stuff that was in the off season, of how the of what the Bearcats can do despite winning eleven games in back to back years. And you think, mm-hmm. well, what is there to improve on? Look, twenty eighteen. I mean, they were starting from the ground up. Yep. Last year was okay. They're good. They were good last year. Let's see how they'll do this year with more exposure and a, and a tougher schedule. Well, they passed that with with. Um, I don't want to say flying colors, but they certainly passed a lot of tests that came their way. Now it's like, okay, we know you're good. What are you going to do now mm-hmm. to get from good to great? So, and obviously there are areas to improve. Sure. You got to replace, you have to replace Michael Warren. Yep. I mean, I mean Jared Dokes and Jerome Ford. I mean, let me tell you, man. Jerome Ford, uh, seeing him in the offseason before COVID happened, that dude, I mean, he attacks lanes. He can juke. He is maneuverable. He is... Really good. Luke Fickle talked about him out of higher ground, and he had a couple touchdown passes um, in a scrimmage, and he did well. He did really well. So I'm excited about Jerome Ford. I'm really excited about Jerome. I mean, he came from Alabama. He anytime, was recruited by Alabama. Anytime he, you get a four-star transfer from Alabama to come in, and I have heard that he is, you know, kind of a – he's got some speed and athleticism to him. And obviously when you put that with Jared Dokes, who, let's face it, he, you know, he has had injuries – Throughout his career, but when mm-hmm. he's on the field, he is a very valuable running back. Oh, definitely, because I mean, you look at his Tulsa game. Undeniably, that was a great game for him. And, uh, I, and hopefully, you'll get more of that this year. Maybe on Saturday. Yeah, maybe on Saturday we'll see. This is the first time I call a game against a team that you see should honestly blow out of the water. Well, I guess UConn was kind of bad last year, mm-hmm. but who else transferred? There was someone from uh, from Notre Dame who was a wide receiver. Michael Young. Michael Young. Who's this? Young. Someone from CCU transferred. That's amazing. That's because Cincinnati Christian shut their football program down. And that no, was the school shut down. The whole school shut down. The whole school is gone. Well, it's not gone. It's, but the, and it's this, still it's still technically. And this wasn't because of COVID, was it? No, this was last year. This was like the Why middle did of they last. Shut down. I don't. I think they. I don't know. Probably a funding thing. But yeah, like kids who were going there lost their credits. But anyway, there's a guy that Joey Grober. So Joey Grober. Uh, yeah. Don't forget about uh, the wide CJ receiver from Arkansas. C.J. Johnson. Oh, right. There is, yeah. There's a Michigan State transfer, Noah Davis. Don't remember him. Oh, look at that. He went to St. X. Um, you sounded excited when you said that. I mean, hey, look. It's always nice to have local talent. Look, like I don't like those other schools, but it's always nice to have. Well, there's an emphasis on local talent. There was Luke Fickle yeah. calls the state of Cincinnati. I mean, well, I forget the numbers, but... Um, you look at, at the number of players that were from the state of Ohio before Luke Fickle came here. I think it was like 30. I think it was like 30 kids were from Ohio. And then you look at it now, and it's like 80-plus. It's ridiculous. The switch around. I mean, it's not even just the Cincinnati area. 
It's Columbus. It's Cleveland. It's Toledo. 31 players from the city of Cincinnati, 46 more from Ohio. That's 77 players. Yeah. that's. I mean, the, the surge in Ohio players is just ridiculous. Um, I mean, you have 23 offensive linemen on your roster and then 15 linebackers. I don't, you know, I don't know. Um, I'm moment. just, I'm just, I'm, I'm just going through the the breakdown of the roster. Mm-hmm. That's fine. Um, but anyway, so let's 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 do this. Let's move on to the next thing, um, which we did number changes, and uh, so let's let's go to let's go to Desmond Ritter really quickly, really really quickly, and then we'll finish out the rest of the show talking about positions. So Desmond Ritter. Um, I'm sure some of you probably know my thoughts. I know, Alex, you do. Um, sure, do I ever. The last two years, Desmond Ritter was undeniably, you know, a good quarterback. Freshman, like, his freshman year, my freshman, well, technically his redshirt freshman year, my freshman year, it was undeniable that we needed him to come in. I mean, and he did a fantastic job. He is nothing short of the leader that you want at the quarterback role, that you need at the quarterback role. He fulfills the leadership position very well. I don't know that there's any, maybe Evan Prater. I, ben Bryant could do a probably a pretty good job as a leader, but just there's something about Desmond Ritter's attitude that I think everyone can appreciate. Fans, players, coaches, staff, you know, whatever. We can all appreciate Desmond Ritter's attitude towards the game, how serious he takes the game. And it really, it's, it is amazing. He is amazing and i think the reason that maybe last year we talked about this earlier but i think the reason that maybe he maybe struggled last year was because of the expectations and it was only his sophomore year and you know i think this year his junior year i i look i could be totally wrong about what i said about Justin Ritter. i still don't think he's a great passing quarterback i think he could be better i think ben bryant's an overall better quarterback but that could change this year who knows Desmond ritter could have a real breakout year who who really knows um, i remember the one one thing that was said his rookie that he said Desmond Ritter his rookie season. So you remember the game against Ohio, sure. Where they came, where the Bearcats came back from down. Great game. That was it was twenty one to nothing. Ritter, by the way, threw an interception after it was twenty one. He did. Nothing. He threw. He was throwing to Cleo Lewis, and it got intercepted. I don't, I don't remember who it was who it was intended for, but I remember just thinking this might get ugly. Mm-hmm. Well, long story short, the Bearcats win thirty four thirty. Ritter has a tremendous second half. That touchdown to Rashad Menderes on third and twelve or whatever. Jarrell White got penetration on the on the goal line to stop. Um, I forget Ohio's running back. I don't remember the running back, was. but I remember Nathan Rourke was their quarterback. Nathan Rourke was the quarterback, and then, of course James Wiggins with the play of the day. But one thing, Olet, AJ Olet, AJ Olet. I remember that now. So yeah. Ritter comes in post game press conference and he said, uh, "I forget who asked him the question or what the question was." And he said, uh, when I step on that field, I believe that I am the best player. And he has a charisma. He mm-hmm. has a confidence and a swagger to him that at first I'm like, is that really something he should have? Is that really something a quarterback should possess? But, oh, no, it, it's been very effective, and it's rallied mm-hmm. you know, the team together. I mean, this, this, this locker room's a bunch of brothers. Let's get that straight. Yeah. And all Desmond Ritter has done is win over 20 games in his first two seasons. Mm-hmm. Now, last year you mentioned the expectations. I think it was a lot more than that. It was the offensive line being horrible at the yeah, start of the season. That's for, oh, most penalized team in the country, by the way. If don't forget, let's not forget that. It but. doesn't help when you're put in third and whatever situations, and then your offensive line isn't that great. 
and Ritter does, Ritter does not have the best arm in the country in the country you or also the conference for that matter. Wide receivers positions, by the way, don't forget the he, wide receiver position wasn't very good. I mean, they had Alec Pierce. I know you were saying that he was going to be the breakout player last year, and he was. He led the team, I think, in receiving yards. Maybe it was either receiving yards or receptions. But Alec Pierce. No, had, no, Deguara led in receptions. De, uh, yeah, Deguara had to have led in receptions, which wasn't even that many. What do you think about it? But you look at some of the performances that Desmond Ritter put up. I mean, they were very subpar. But it wasn't all his fault. It was offensive line. It was not having a good receiving court mm-hmm. outside of Josiah DeGuara to throw to or Michael Warren. But it was also injuries. You really, I remember game two at Ohio State, he takes a shot to the shoulder yeah. in the second I think it might have been like the second quarter. Uh, that kind of bothered him. And then he had another shoulder injury suffered against USF so bad that he went 9 for 25 against Temple, where he, quite frankly, shouldn't have even played Probably not. in that game. And then Ben Bryant comes in against Memphis. Ritter starts the championship game, played reasonably well at times. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought he was very aggressive in that game, actually. Remember, Certainly. He was so aggressive that he wouldn't go down on a long run. He fumbled. That's how aggressive Ritter was. Okay. He was yeah. the leading rusher in that game, fun fact. That's true. Um, now, obviously, last year, Ritter... I mean, some of the games the Bearcats won, you don't win without Desmond Ritter. The ECU game, his legs on the last drive, that won them the game. The USF game, his ability to somehow find Michael Warren while he was being harassed by a USF defender, that won them the game. He is he, he is a I don't doubt his leadership one bit. Do I doubt his quarterback abilities? Some of them, yes. But at the same time, Ben Bryant did get one opportunity. Was it all that impressive enough? to unseat Ritter as the quarterback. If Ben Bryant had thrown for 400 yards and five touchdowns against Memphis, then we'll talk. Or we'd be talking now. Okay, but also, again, the leadership thing. You know, and Ritter had a great game against Memphis the very next week. He had a very great game against Memphis the very next week, so he he proved himself again. Sean Jackson didn't help him, though. Yeah, that didn't, yeah. Anyway, um... Yeah, so I think Ritter could be set for a, an, an outbreak year this year. Um, we'll see. We, we will see. But uh, moving on, we're going to move to uh, positions. So we'll start with the offense, and then we'll make our way to the defense. So let's go to the backfield. Let's look at quarterbacks. Okay, so you got Desmond Ritter. You have Ben Bryant at backup. And then your third string is a four-star quarterback, top I think luxury. he was top 10 in the country in quarter, maybe top five in quarterback recruits, I think. In I, thought the he was number, I, thought, I thought he was number four. Okay, number From four. I, remember, number four I think you're right. In the country. Number four quarterback and in the country. And he's here in Clifton. And he is here in Cincinnati, which is crazy. I mean, the kid, he grew up a UC fan. That, that is something he has mentioned before. He grew up a UC fan, so it's huge that your third string, even if Desmond Ritter and Ben Bryant are out, you have Evan Prater. Now, he has no college playing time, which is different from high school. But granted, you know, you look at freshmen like Spencer, Spencer Radler. I mean, that dude threw for seven for seven for, I can't remember how many yards that was. Um, over he's, a, he's winning the Heisman, by the way. I could see him winning the Heisman. Um, but anyway, you know, not that freshmen can't play well, because they can. But, you know, he's, uh, it, it's, we can't say for, for sure that if he were to come to a game, he would do really, really well. There was no for sure about about that. We, we need to see that to believe it. But quarterbacks, set. Agreed? I think we are. I, I think we are. Ritter's going to be the starter yep. for the foreseeable future. Sure, definitely. But and and be, rightfully it, so. It's going to be interesting 
Does Ben Bryan enter the transfer portal if he doesn't see an opportunity for him? Could be interesting. When does Evan Prater get to start? Mm-hmm. Because Ritter still has two years left. Yep. I I would hope to gosh that Prater does not end up transferring, but I could be wrong. Well, Desmond Ritter also has to stay healthy. True. He also has to stay healthy. Which so. he has shown. He's injury prone. Yes. That, that was even evident his first season mm-hmm. in the bowl game. Yeah. Yeah, oh, yeah, right, yeah, because then uh, my hero, Hayden Moore. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm. Anyway, so quarterback, you're set. Quarterback, you're, you're set with. Running back, I, Running back, I feel extremely set. You are very set. I see, I remember looking at last year's backfield, and I was like, oh, boy, you better get out of our way. And then Charles McClellan got hurt, and it was like, well, It didn't really okay. impact the performance from no. the running backs. I thought Michael Warren got better as the season wore on. Tavion Thomas obviously ended up transferring. Shame what happened to him. Yeah, really. I mean, he, we he, had hopes for him, but, I mean, the dude, first of all, he couldn't hang on to the football to save his life. Um, he can drag. I remember, I remember them talking about him on game day, and they were showing a clip from Alabama A&M, and he's dragging defenders to the end zone, almost to the end zone that's, for like five that, plus yards. That's a yards. swag team. Doesn't matter. But in his, he in, was still dragging multiple defenders to like for five plus yards in his in his one carry. Um, so running backs, yeah. Last last year's backfield, I was I was so confident, and then it came down to just Jared Dokes and Michael Warren. And uh, I was like, okay, still solid, but no, you don't quite have the same depth. But this year, you have Alabama four-star transfer Jerome Ford, like I said earlier, already a fantastic player. Um, You have Jared Dokes starting, I would hope. I think he should get the start. Being the senior, being a leader, I think Jared Dokes should be the starter. I think he will. And then you've got Charles McClellan returning as well, and he'll be great. Chuck is, you know, he's a quick guy. He's a little dump it off in a screen kind of guy. He's got the speed. There's no question that Jared Dokes should be the starter. I mean, look what he did last year. Mm-hmm. Jared Dokes, it's interesting how Michael Warren became who he was because of a Jared Dokes injury. You knew who Michael Warren was, but at the same time, you didn't know much about him. Mm-hmm. Now, the Michael Warren that we ultimately grew to love here in Cincinnati was made possible because Dokes missed a season. Dokes obviously was still here last year. And it's interesting because he could have easily transferred. Certainly. He could have transferred. Instead, he stayed here and made a tremendous impact on the team last year. I think because he believed in Luke Fickle and the team. And he loves Cincinnati. I I would hope he loves Cincinnati. Which speaks to the culture that Luke Fickle has built. 100%. I mean, it's unbelievable. And who else did not? I mean... Warren ended up leaving early. Can you imagine if he was still here for this season? For this I, season? I think he left prematurely, if you ask me. I don't think he had any reason to go. I don't think he did either. I mean, he only played two full seasons. And you think about what he would have been able to do this year with a better offensive line? Oh, I'm talking 1,600 yards. Yeah. I mean, this team would be loaded out the wazoos. Now, the one question mark, I think, Sean, you and I both know this, is the wide receiver core. And that's because it's like, who's who? Who the Fun heck? Fact, yeah. There's only three wide receivers from the 2018 recruiting class that are still here. Alec Pierce, Trey Tucker, and Wyatt Fisher. No The way. rest of it, it's, it's a who's who. There's Wyatt Fisher, yeah. Okay, so let's go over the wide receivers really quickly. Let's just name them. Wyatt Fisher, Blue Smith, Chris Scott, who I have no idea who that is, but he's a freshman. He's from Marquez Pickerington Bell. North. He's from Pick North. Uh, Marquez Bell. Jay Sean Jackson. Jay Sean Jackson. Alec Pierce. Should have been more of a role last year. Norman Love. Nate Meyer. Trent Cloud is gone. He, you don't forget about Nate Meyer. Nate Meyer, 
Uh, Garen Prater. Jair Thomas? J who is the number 32? Jair Thomas. Jair Thomas, I'm yeah, sorry. Yeah, his brother. Michael Young, the transfer from Notre Dame. Mm-hmm. Now, look, I don't know much about our wide receivers. I really don't, because the only person that I know from our receiving core anymore is um, Alec Pierce and Trey Tucker. Th those are the only two I can name off the top of my and head. The, and, as, and as concerning as that is, at the same time, that does allow Ritter to, you know, because opposing defenses don't know how to scout them, but mm -hmm. yet the Bearcats know the strengths of these receivers. I mean, this, this, this coaching staff is engaged. They know they know what these receivers can and can't do, so they're mm -hmm. going to play to their strengths. And if you're able to establish a good connection with some of them, that's going to it's going to throw opposing defenses off guard. Yeah. And, I, you know, I mean, with Michael Young, I'm actually kind of excited about him. Um, I mean, he was recruited to Notre Dame, which, I mean, reasons. You know, you don't just, you, a school doesn't just recruit you like Notre Dame doesn't just recruit you for no reason. They recruit you because you're talented. Same thing goes for Jerome Ford. Alabama recruited him because they knew he was good and he played well. He had a game against Duke where he played really well. I think they played against Western Carolina at home. Um, you know, so it'll be exciting to see him. I think I am most excited to see him play uh, at the at the uh, wide receiver position. In terms of the new guys, I am excited about him. Um, I'm trying to find out what how many stars this guy was coming out of high school. And I uh, let's see here. Let's go to two four seven sports. Twenty four seven had him as a three star. It looks like okay. So that he was like a high three star, which is really good. I mean, look, stars don't matter. You and I know that. I mean. You look at, who was it, Jamar Chase, I think was a one-star recruit coming out of high school. And look what he became. Look what he became. Dude became a five-star in the blink of an I mean, eye. What, I mean, what was Joe Burrow? Uh, he was not a five-star recruit. No. He, was, he wasn't even the starter at his first college, and he wasn't even, he wasn't even the presumptive starter well, when he came to LSU he also had year. He also had JT Barrett and Dwayne Haskins. To, Cardell you know, Jones, too. Cardell Jones. Oh, really? Oh, my God. Yeah, Joe Burrow. I forgot. Joe Burrow is older than and, Dirk. And, and look what Joe Burrow became in one year. Yep, and look mm. at where he is now. Yeah. Uh, anywho, so the wide receivers will be interesting. Let's move to the O-line. The O-line, you still have Ja'Kari Robinson, and you still have uh, James Hudson's now going to start. That's going to be a, That's going to be huge. And don't forget, Jeremy Cooper comes back this year. Jeremy Darius Cooper. Harper's still here. Hopefully, Lorenz Metz is better. There's potential here. I feel like maybe with another year, a year under their belt, they know what they didn't do well. Uh -huh. But at the same time, they did do well in some areas. Run blocking, they were great. Pass blocking. I mean, this is not an offensive line that can hold a, a block when it comes to the pass for, you know, 10 seconds. But at the same time, if you can allow Rare to throw from the pocket and your receivers can get open. You give him time. Honestly, it's all Desmond Rare's needs is time. Because he can scramble. He, he, we know he can get away. Now the receivers have to get open. That's what well. makes Desmond. That's what makes Desmond Ritter so good. And, and to your point earlier, Sean, why we needed him, we needed just no more staleness from Hayden Moore. Yep. We needed the athleticism. We needed the creativity. We needed the dual threat ability of Desmond Ritter. Mm -hmm. Just to re, just to you know ignite some life into the offense. What's funny is like. Remember the game against Miami in the rain, Paul Brown Stadium, Ritter threw 11 passes that game? Yeah, because, well, I mean, we barely, anyone barely threw that game because it was so wet. And they eased him along into throwing the ball. He threw more times as the season went on. Last year, they, you know, I feel like, and Mike Denbrock said this, they put too much on him early in the season. They dialed it back as the season went on. You, you go, you look at the numbers for Desmond Ritter. They have to be in here somewhere. Um, 
I feel like they are. Uh, anyway, I guess not. But my point is, well, actually, I can easily pull those up. But what I'm saying is, like, you're seeing that the Bearcats' strength on offense is running the football. Correct. If the offensive line can run block, this, this team will be fine. And then you open up your passing game once you start running, of course. So, move on from the wide receivers. Let's go to the tight ends. We already kind of brought them up a little bit. Uh, I'm excited to see because now that Josiah DeGuara is not here, we can finally see just how good Bruno LaBelle and Josh Wiley and Leonard Taylor really are. Leonard Taylor was a four-star recruit, as we mentioned, top ESPN Top 300. Uh, Cam Jones probably won't get any playing time. I mean, that guy was recruited as a quarterback. I don't even know why he's still here. Um, yeah, and then you mentioned the others. Uh, Bruno LaBelle, who's more of a blocking-type tight end. He never really gets any receptions. Uh, nice guy, by the way. He is Canadian. I've met his parents, and I've met him, and he's a nice guy. Um, Peyton Singletary, who is a freshman out of Thomasville, Georgia. Um, as we mentioned, Bruno LaBelle. Jack Campbell, a freshman out of Bellbrook, Ohio. So, also Noah Davis from St. X, transfer from Michigan State. Uh, Josh Wiley went to LaSalle. I mean, look at the like look at the high school one here. It's crazy. You look at X Moeller. L- there's actually no elder players, and there haven't been for a couple of years. Um, last one was Shore, and I think he graduated after the 2018 season, if I'm not mistaken. Unless it was last year. It might have been last year. Either way. Tight ends, I think, will be a question mark because you have to replace Josiah Aguara, but I think they'll be fine. Um, so that's the that's the offense. So we've got 10 minutes left. Let's move to the defense. We kind of hit on the defense a little bit earlier with the fact that you're going to have to replace Perry Young and Brian Wright at linebacker, two all-conference performers from last year. That's going to be a big challenge. But like Marcus Freeman says, it's not... Well, this guy's going to replace Perry Young. This guy's going to replace Brian Wright. No, it's going to be a combination of different schemes, packages. It's going to be different guys filling in at different times. You got Joel Dublenko. You got um, Jarrell White. White, who's still here. Um, Wilson Huber now comes in at linebacker. He's here. So, I mean, you look at the linebackers that UC has. Mick Oaks, who is a sophomore out of Indian Hill. DeMarco Baker, Sorry, don't who forget, is don't, a... Don't forget about Darian Beavers. Darian... Oh, boy. Darian Beavers. Good Lord. Ty Van Fossen. Ty Van Fossen. He's here. So, I mean, there are options. It is going to be really interesting to see, but luckily for them... Ryan Royer, even. The defensive line is still very much intact uh, with uh, MyJ Sanders, Malik Vaughn, Tackle. You got Curtis Brooks, Marcus Brown, who had a really nice stretch in the middle of the season Ethan last Tuckey. year. Ethan Tucky, who's a tremendous both defensive and special teams player. Uh, Jabari Taylor, mm-hmm. Elijah Ponder. I mean, there's talent all over. And then don't forget about Michael Pitts. Of course. Oh, man. Wow, how can you forget about Michael Pitts? I mean, just look at what you mentioned those guys. You, you know all those guys are very capable of stopping the run, getting to the quarterback, batting down balls, forcing fumbles, whatever it might be. Again, this program is, gonna, this program is trench-driven. Offensive and defensive lines. It's not what UCF is. It's not what Memphis is. It probably isn't even what SMU is. I think I like the point that you brought up earlier was that we played 22 players on defense. That is double the amount of starters, which is crazy because, I mean, that was really our ultimate, ultimately was our plan. Even practicing that week, I remember, we just, we kept switching. We kept guys rejuvenated. We, we, we would take some out of the game who were tired and we'd put in a fresh, we'd put in fresh legs. We'd put in a fresh 
set of lungs, but fresh you, set of eyes. And you, know, you have to do that against a team like UCF because they to. will wear you down. And eventually their tempo did get going somewhat in the fourth quarter. It's just UC's defense was alert and they made some plays. Think about Dylan Gabriel. He threw three interceptions that game and two of which were in UC territory. Mm-hmm. And they also forced a fumble. Um, who was the running back? Was it Killens or McCray? Brian Wright forced a fumble, set up a touchdown. That's a, that, That's momentum swing right there. UC made plays. The thing about the Bearcats defense last year that made it so good was they were very opportunistic. They had five turnovers. Was it five or four? It was um, four. Did Gabriel throw three or four interceptions that game? I think it was four. Uh, Did he throw really? It was three interceptions and a fumble. So they had four turnovers there. They had five turnovers at Houston. Five turnovers against Tulsa. Mm -hmm. ECU, they had Ahmad Gardner that picked six, which was insane. Uh, USF, they had turnovers forced. Uh, Temple, the big interception by Derek Forrest. UCLA, four turnovers forced in that game. By the way, all of which were caused by UCLA's quarterback. Yeah, yeah, that's right, yeah. And Javon Hicks had two of those plays. Javon Hicks had a fumble recovery, and he also had an interception, which... uh, Perry Young had an acrobatic interception. I mean, which was his God. first game back after a torn ACL. That's right. Yeah, because the Navy decided to try to kill him. But anyway... Uh, corners, you got Justin Harris, Kobe Bryant, Arquan Bush, Sammy Anderson, obviously Ahmad Gardner, Todd Bumfus, Taj Ward, uh, Josiah Roby or Robbie or Roby, I think it's Roby, DeAndre McDonald, uh, Phil Thomas, who is a freshman out of Fairfield, that's a new name to the roster this year, Alex Green, who is a freshman out of Lexington, another new face. That's Lexington, Ohio, by the way, which I have no idea where that is. Um, I, you know, I don't think I do either. Casey Kirk, a junior, who I, I've never heard that. I'd never Some heard of these him. players Hoffman, that you, Dublin, Ohio. That's the thing about this year. we got about six minutes left. Some of these players that we're mentioning, it's like you knew they were on the roster last year if you actually did a thorough, you know, look over at the roster. And they're here again this year, and you might see them have a, you know, more playing time, more snaps, especially on Saturday. You're probably going to see... I, my hope is, at least, UC go three deep, four deep on the depth chart because I'm telling you right now, they're going to need everybody for the Army game, and they're certainly going to need everybody for conference play games. Definitely. So, we've covered everyone. Now we're on safeties. Safeties. Who do you Well, got? I think you know which one I'm looking at. James Wiggins. Obviously. And then Javon Hicks. Javon Derek Hicks. Forrest, who is a, who's a bull hawk. Ryan um, Cook. Who I don't remember him. Really, outside of the the, the primary three safeties, Wiggins, Forrest, and Hicks, that's who. And th- Jacob are, Dingle, don't forget him. Yeah, James Camden, yeah. Never, Will Adams. You know who we didn't talk about? Out of Mason, Ohio, uh, Cincinnati. You know who we didn't talk about is a true game changer. That's James Smith. We'll get to him. We're not done yet. We only have five minutes left. We've that's plenty of time to talk about James Smith. Yeah, just quit yapping. We'll keep going. Jake, Jack Welsh, Jaquan Shepard, Blake Bauman. I don't know him. He's out of Lexington, Ohio. You're looking at... Um, oh, wait, no, I'm sorry. That's... Never mind. Yeah, okay, never mind. Whoops. Anyway, so now we'll move on to special teams. Special teams, Cole Smith is probably going to be the starting kicker, I would imagine. He, again, number change from 19 to 17. James Smith, uh, who has been like a top five punter the last... Three, four year, uh, like three years. Been a rake on the Ray Guy watch list. He's Ray Guy watch list uh, almost won it a couple years ago. Um, lost to the guy. I think he was actually third. I think he got third place. It was, te- it was the guy at Texas A and M. Um, 
whose name I'm blanking on. It's not Loudermilk. Loudermilk was the dude at UCF. Um, I can't remember. I can't remember who his name was, but I remember it was a Texas A&M guy who who uh, had won that. But he's a game changer. I mean, he doesn't he doesn't you know punt the ball for touchbacks a whole lot. Yeah. He, I mean, he he gives UC's defense favorable field position, mm-hmm. which is critical. Yeah, he especially, definitely does, especially against teams in the American Athletic Conference that do have very good offenses, like UCF, like Memphis, SMU, Navy, with their ability to run the football. We saw glimpses of it with Tulane. Maybe um, I'm trying to think of who else might have a solid offense. But yeah, I mean, what we're saying is, you know. It, it, a punter is someone, I mean, it's not as crucial as a kicker as we saw this week in the NFL, but a punter is someone, that if you have a good punter, that's an added bonus. That's to, a huge bonus. Yeah. So we, Cole Smith, a kicker, he had a rough freshman year. I get that. Mm-hmm. Um, He's a freshman. Yeah. Now, he, now, obviously, and by the way, he missed two kicks against UCF, mm-hmm. which isn't, there's no excuse for that. But at the same time, you're playing at the, at the bounce house, and you, you were there for that game. I was at that game. At UCF. Okay, fine. Um, he did make a 50-yard field goal against Tulsa last year. He has a big leg. Uh, long snapper, which, yes, is important. Uh, Blake Bamman and Kaysen Pfeiffer. I mean, this, this roster, it's... there. Obviously, there's some players that stand out to you. It doesn't look the most explosive on paper, and yet this has the potential to be a really good football team. As a, yeah, it really does. What are, what are we doing? Are we going to do our predictions for we're Saturday? We're going to do our season. We're going to do our predictions for Saturday, and then we're going to finish it off with the season prediction. So, actually, no, let's switch it. Let's do a quick season prediction. I'm going to say minimum eight wins this year. I'm, I'm with you. Minimum of eight and two. Minimum of eight and two, maximum of, it would be 11 and 0, right? I think this team will win... I'll say max of them of 10. Well, I'm saying like the max that yeah, you, you can win. win you can win 11, 11 okay. games. I, I think this team will win anywhere between 8 and 10. Okay. And then, Would you be shocked if they won 11? No. I wouldn't either. I'd be, we would all be a little, probably a little decently surprised because you, yeah. have road, you have road games to Dallas. You have road games to UCF. Now, granted, you don't have a full crowd at either of those stadiums. but Most likely you won't. Most likely you won't. But anyway, so I say minimum of 8 wins... I could potentially see 11, but I think I, I think we agree 10 wins uh, is probably going to be the max with road yeah. games to UCF and SMU. So, Austin P, give me your prediction. Well, not really much to say here. I mean, Austin P, they lost their first game to uh, who was Central Arkansas. Central Arkansas. Yeah, and then they got their doors blown off by Pitt. Nothing, um, nothing sugarcoated here. UC wins 59 to 10. Okay, you know, I I think I'm kind of be in the same area. I'm gonna say. I'm actually going to give him a couple more points. I'm going to say 61 to. I'll give him 17. I'll I'll, I'll give him 17. Aren't you generous? You know what? Because I, I, I think at that point we're going to be playing third strings. We're going to be playing freshmen. That is so, true. Okay. So I'll give him 17. And you and I have the call for that game on Saturday. And we got the call for that game on Saturday. We will hopefully be there. We're not entirely 100% sure, but we are about 90% sure. Everyone, thanks for joining. Thanks for listening. Have a great day, and as always, go Bearcats.